Hello, my name is Ashley Balin, and welcome to Baby Puppy, the parenting podcast for anyone raising a human or fur baby. Now, before I start getting angry emails from people in the dog community or parenting community about how different raising a dog is from a child, trust me, I know, I know, I'm not saying they're the same at all. But as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant and a mother, there are a startling number of similarities. I've applied strategies from my dog training education and experience to parenting with great success and vice versa. From the early days with an infant or puppy, dealing with teething, crate or crib training, socialization and language acquisition, to nutrition, anxiety, coping mechanisms, independence, confidence building and more, it's impossible to deny a crossover. On each episode of this podcast, we'll explore a different topic and speak with a parenting expert to gain insight, strategies, and advice while comparing them to my experience working with dogs. Join me on this journey to raise confident, empathetic, respectful, happy, and healthy dogs and humans. On this episode, I speak with registered early childhood educator Emily Wesson. Emily believes in a holistic and developmental approach to the early years, providing gentle guidance and engaging opportunities while children learn new skills and conquer milestones. She currently runs a flexible toddler and preschool program in Toronto. We discussed the many similarities and differences between human and doggy daycares, and she offered very helpful advice for all parents planning on navigating the world of daycare. Enjoy! Welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I know that uh, the world is in a state of madness right now. So I appreciate you taking, you know, 20 minutes to talk to me. No problem. It's good to have a schedule for 20 minutes. <laughs> how, how, are you, how are you doing? How are you, how are you handling all of this? Um, we're good. We're good. It's, um, I mean, it's obviously scary and uh, uncertain, but the kids are doing well with it like we're we've got a super loose schedule I'm on the really relaxed side of homeschooling so it's basically like there there are demands placed on them in terms of like schoolwork for like 20 minutes a day um and other than that we're really just trying to be outside yeah I mean just getting challenging now is the time that we should be focusing on trying to put together like an essential homeschooling schedule I think there's other things that we should be concerning. concerning Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. Like, I'm just taking it moment by moment. No one's prepared for a global pandemic. No, no. And I'm really just trying to focus on, like, teachable moments, right? Where it's like, oh, this is... And, like, as an educator anyway, I think my brain kind of works in a way where I'm, like, able to categorize everything into some kind of schooling, So it's like we're baking, we're, you know, in the forest, we're like, there's always like opportunity for learning. Yeah. Um, And also like igniting their passions, right? Well, that's what I was thinking a lot about today. Well, the last few days, actually, is that, you know, our our kids live in a culture where they're at school all day, and then Mm -hmm. they're usually, you know, overscheduled in the evenings or weekends. And this is really the first time where they've been able to just, you know, appreciate Mm -hmm. the minutia of like day to day things and be able to find, you know, the beauty in, in regular life skills. Totally. And I do find like, it's like having the schedule, I think, sometimes it's really amazing and you need it and you need the structure and whatever. But like, that is like 
90% of what makes me have a hard time with my kids, you know, where it's like, we got to get to this and we got to do this. And like, if you don't practice your piano and do your homework and like, I ha- I'm going out tonight. So we're doing, you know, I'm like throwing together this dinner and there's a babysitter and there's that whole transition. Like without any of those things, it's actually really like you can just get along, you know? I, I know. It's, I, you know, I was, it's, it's kind of funny because the last couple of days, my son just keeps turning to me and saying, mommy, I'm so happy. Like, I'm saying I'm so happy. And I said, that's wonderful. Why are you so happy? And he looks at me and he goes, I love COVID. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> as hilarious as that is. Yeah. That's his way of saying like, you know, this has forced the world. To I love this pace. Down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no urgency. There's no running out the door in the morning. We can stay in our pajamas all day. We don't yeah. have where we have to be or any activities we have to do. We're yeah. just flying by the seat of our pants and totally. doing the demands are so low. It's yeah. It is that I'm really trying to enjoy that side of it. Well, that's the thing is that, you know, assuming that we do return to a sense of normalcy at some point, this could be mm-hmm. the last time in our lives that we get the opportunity for this type of intense bonding with our kids. Totally. Right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to put the greater ramifications like economically and politically and psycho- like psychologically yeah. at the back of my head and Same. focus on like those, you know, little moments on, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, totally. So I guess like for the sake of transparency for the people that are going to be listening to this, we should mm-hmm. say that we do know each other. We do. <laughs> <laughs> my, my son was in your daycare before he started like preschool full time. Yeah. So uh, when I was thinking about talking to someone to a daycare provider, you were the first person that came to mind. I think that we're aligned on, you know, a, a number of things when it comes to philosophically, yeah, philosophically, uh, both with children and dogs and the similarities and differences. And that's what I want to focus this conversation on. Mm-hmm. Is, Absolutely. Uh, you know, we do live in a major city where the majority of people work full time, which means that both their children and their dogs end up in some type of daycare facility. Yeah. And there's so many different options available. So I kind of want to start from like the very, very beginning. And, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge and experience on this topic. And mm-hmm. I I really think your, you know, your views on childcare and parenting are pretty aligned with mine as it pertains to like my doggy daycare and training and mm-hmm. walking recommendations. Right. So I think it'll be really interesting to to see where those similarities and differences are. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should start with like, who are you? What's your name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and what do you do professionally at this point in your life? Okay. Um, my name is Emily Wesson. I am an early childhood educator. Um, I also have a BA in sociology, so that was sort of where I started. And then I came out of university and decided to get into the early childhood field. Um, so I did that. And then I spent, um, a number of years, I think about 17 years teaching in private enriched preschools. So I've never actually formally worked in daycare. I think I did a couple of placements. Um, but my background is much more like for a shorter day, a, you know, quite a bit of structure. Um, so I did that for years. I've also worked with children on the spectrum doing, you know, um, applied behavioral analysis, like that sort of one-on-one therapy. And then a few years ago, I left my preschool teaching job and I have been running a similar program from my home 
um, from my big play space in my basement. Um, the only difference is the way that I run it now is, is quite a bit more flexible. And I, you know, I give people the opportunity to, you know, choose the days they want, choose the hours they want, um, drop in if I have the space. Um, so I, that's kind of the, the, the key difference in like what I'm offering to families. Uh, and then on the side of that, I teach a couple, two or three, um, art classes per week, which is another way that we sort of know each other or same kind of thing I did one at your house at my house yeah (laughs) um so that's amazing too but that's very different because that's with caregiver it's a lot it's hands-on but it's a lot less hands-on in the way that I'm you know it's not as um there's not as much behavior guidance kind of thing it's it's more you know you you do your thing with your kid and I'm there to support and Um, then on top of all of that you have kids of your own I do. Yeah. So I have a uh, seven-year-old and a almost 10-year-old. So they're both in school full-time. They are both in full-time school. And they've they've kind of been in a number of school environments in their, their short lives. Um, and now they're both settled at the same local public school. And you have a dog also? I do have a dog also. Um, How old is your dog? What she breed is... A rescue from St. Lucia, and she just turned two. So she's pretty much, she's a pot cake dog. Like, she's a retriever mix, and that's kind of all we know. Right. So she's probably a mix of 50 different breeds of dogs. Exactly. Okay. And she was a straight dog in St. Lucia. And you, how old was she when you adopted her? She was um, just over a year, I guess. We got her kind of last June. Okay. So you've had her for not that long, for less than a year. Yeah, less than a year. And she's like adapted pretty well being in the city and being in a household and not having the freedom of running around an island all day. She's adapted. She's, she's a really smart dog. She's not the easiest to train. Um, So I could probably use a little more guidance from you on that end. (laughs) Um, She, um, when we got her, she was with a foster. So she was with a foster for two months, I think, before we got her. So they really kind of um, did the, the, the first work with her and kind of got her accustomed to being here. And they had a dog too. And um, they did some sort of basic, basic training. But she kind of came to us with the, the premise of like, yeah, she's going to need some more training, which we've been really terrible about and haven't done <laughs> other than kind of on our own and with the kids. Um, but yeah, so she's, oh, she's great. She's got some, some really good stuff about her and she's got some trickier stuff. She was like a massive shoe chewer for a long time, which we're finally past. Um, and given our, our lifestyle these days, she's actually been amazing because it's like walks, 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 and we're home, we're around. She can't really do anything bad. So we're, we're doing well right now. But before the things kind of slow down a bit, we um, our, our next plan really was to actually do some classes. Yeah. Well, it's always good to do classes just for, you know, the mental and physical stimulation. But if if the worst of it is that she's chewing on some shoes, I think you lucked out a little bit. (laughs) Well, there's there's other stuff, but (laughs) I don't know how much we want this to be all about my dog. (laughs) Do a virtual training session. Yeah, totally. Okay. So let's, let's start with like from the beginning basics. So, you know, in Toronto specifically, daycare is like a very convoluted topic for both 
parents of babies and dogs. Very overwhelming. Yes. So before getting into all the similarities and differences, Mm -hmm. I wanted to take some time exploring the world of human daycare. So I know this conversation is even more complicated here because there's hundreds of options available Mm -hmm. and like an increasing demand for childcare. So waiting lists can be like years long. Yes. And, you know, so, so what are the primary reasons that parents put their kids in daycare? Like, we're, let's just start like basic. Why okay. would a kid go to daycare? Okay. So number one, I think it's that parents are working and they're out of the house and they need someone to take care of their kid. Um, I'd say that's like when you're looking at full on daycare, daycare, though, that that's, you know, 99% of, of who's putting their kid in. Um, secondarily, like a lot of the people that I get, because I do part time um, and you know, it can be very, very minimal hours are people sort of around a year who start thinking, yeah, my kid needs to be a little social. Um, I'd love them to, you know, get used to being around other kids, get on it, some kind of a schedule, have a routine. Um, and then as they kind of get a little bit older from there, you get the parents who are sort of like, I want my kids to learn something. I want my kids to, you know, get, get some skills. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So you've, you've decided to go the daycare route for your child. And now you have to start exploring the world of what all of those different options are. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's like the big consideration of whether you're going to go to a home-based daycare versus like a larger facility. Yes. Um, But what other factors do parents take into account when they're narrowing down all of their options? Um, yeah, home versus center is probably the first thing that people would figure out what they want with. Um, and then, you know, how big is it? Uh, what's the ratio of kids to teachers? There are sort of ratios um, lined in, like outlined by the Ministry of Education, but you know you can that kind of works in different ways. You might have one teacher and five toddlers, or you might have two teachers and ten toddlers in a bigger room. Um, so how that all works? What um, how you know what's the outdoor space like? What's the where does the food come from? Is it cooked on site? Do they bring it in? Do you bring your own food? Um, all that kind of stuff, how much, you know, natural light is in the room. But like, it's a, a lot of it is really, you can't even say it's more of the, I'm sure, you know, like it's, it's just the energy that you get when you see a place. Right. Right. Um, and also, and their philosophy is huge. Well, right. Like, say it's like, yes, all of those things that you mentioned, you know, were important to me mm-hmm. and everyone's going to have their own priorities. But, you know, I try to follow like a respectful parenting approach as, as much as I can. Yes. Same. And, you know, so it was very important for me when I chose a, a, a place that my kid was going to be not just part time when he was with you, but mm-hmm. also when he went into a full time environment that mm-hmm. they were, you know, accessing discipline and socialization and communication you know, implementing it the same way we were in our home. Mm -hmm. So, and I I know that that's difficult for some people because there's, you know, when you're in a place that's a little more remote or in a smaller town, there aren't as many options available. For sure. Uh, So let's say that now, you know, we'll take me for example. So I've decided that I'm going to go into more of a center environment. I've decided what my ratios are going to be. I found a place that aligns with, you know, the respectful parenting techniques and prioritizes outdoor nature play. So I'm going on a tour. Let's say I go on a tour of three or four different places that all kind of align with those things. What would be, you know, the positives or red flags that I should be looking out for during those tours? 
Um, I think like the, the bottom line and kind of what I always tell people is, are the kids happy, right? Are you looking around? Are you seeing kids who genuinely seem happy to be there? And also, are they engaged, right? Are they, you know, do, do they seem really interested in what's happening? Are they kind of, you know, working together? Are they, are, is there enough for them to do? You know, just that level of engagement is, is definitely the biggest thing. Okay. So before we start talking about the similarities and differences, I, I just feel like I should be honest and say that, you know, I've never worked at or run a doggy mm-hmm. daycare. Mm-hmm. I have intimate knowledge of the industry because many of my clients have dogs in daycare. Many yeah. of my colleagues have managed or opened daycare facilities. Right. So you've seen that. And my own personal dogs in daycare as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, the biggest key difference is what you had just mentioned about you know, regulations is that the doggy daycare industry has absolutely no regulations whatsoever. There's right. no industry that kind of oversees right. it. Right. There's nobody coming in and checking up on them. Right. So you don't require any type of education or mm-hmm. certification or licensing. There's right. no dated like adult to dog ratio in place. You can right. run a place that has like 50 dogs with one person. Wow. Um, there's no required outdoor play. Like mm-hmm. many of these places don't even have outdoor space. Um, and due to the lack of regulation, mm-hmm. there's a large number of daycares in Toronto that have way too many dogs, uh, you know, employees that have zero dog handling or training experience, right. facilities that are not hygienic or safe. And like, it's pretty appalling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm correct, other than the few outliers, I assume that the majority of like human baby daycares in Toronto or like nationally mm-hmm. do follow the regulations and guidelines for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, I, is that your experience? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean the, the, the guidelines are strict and there's a lot that you need to adhere to. Um, the only thing is they're really only coming to check once a year there, you know, they could show up anytime, but pretty much your license expires once a year. So you can expect your visit from your licensor person, you know, every May or every June or whatever. So, you know, in theory, there's, there's a lot of kind of time throughout the rest of the year where people can, can loosen up on things, but it is like a very, you know, it's a very serious occurrence if you do have something that's out of line. So, so most people kind of stick to what they need to you know what they need to do and is there any way of like regulating daycares other than those random inspections that are happening annually um well i mean so there's the ministry of education that is the main agency that kind of governs what they do and there is you know uh it, it's a binder that's like three inches thick that with all the rules in it um but other than the ministry there's also there's fire code right you've got to have like your exits placed wherever and you know a certain number of windows per square foot um, and then there's also public health. So you can, the, those are two places that may also pop in at some point. So, you know, your food handling stuff has to be a certain way and you've got to have a sink so many feet from a bathroom and, a you know, like there's, there's, those are basically the three that would, that would kind of be involved. And I guess if, I mean, I, I don't know how the process works, but I guess if like the parents that had children enrolled in these facilities were concerned that they could make a phone call and maybe totally. 
they could call the ministry and they could make a, a report and that would be taken very seriously and somebody would show up and, and thoroughly investigate that. Okay. So yeah, so none of that is in place for, for doggy daycare. No. <laughs> There's no one to call. There's no one to complain to. Like the, the only course of action you have as like any consumer of anything has is uh-huh. to just stop sending your dog to the facility. Right. Or I guess you could call like the Better Business Bureau or um, what about even just like the city? This well, that's the thing is that there's there's no licensing or regulations that are in effect. So calling the city like there's nothing to complain about. Right. So unless there's actual abuse happening, right? Well, I guess you could say like I hear dogs barking all day long, and right. So it will be a noise complaint, right? But you don't actually know how the dogs are being treated within the facility. Mm-hmm. The you know the dogs themselves could be you know fighting all day. They could be showing signs of anxiety or aggression, and you would have no idea, right? Because there's there's no way for people to regulate. And since the the people that are working within the facility don't need to have any type of education, you can't even trust that the people that are working there would know how to handle or approach the situations if they arose. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. It Not is. to say that there aren't like wonderful daycares that are very, you know, respectful and have employees that are educated. Mm-hmm. It's just as common no, as it's like not the norm. Yeah. No, you're making me feel good about locking my dog in my dining room half the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because obviously you can lock your dog in your dining room mm-hmm. all day with a one-year-old you can't do that no right so like if you have to go out to work during the day you do need to find a place to care for your child while yeah. you don't have to with a dog no it's just basically so, how big is your dog's bladder and how long can they stay exactly how long can they hold it for um, so yeah, so another major difference, like I think, is that at reputable doggy daycares, all dogs are given comprehensive behavioral assessments before they're accepted to the facility, just right. to ensure Very that the smart. dog is well socialized mm-hmm. and get along with other dogs and people. And since the ratios are so outrageous and the workers are not educated in dog behavior or reading dog body language, mm-hmm. they simply can't take on dogs that have anxiety or aggression or fear because then all the resources would be allocated to those few dogs. Right. Right. Yeah. And it it is so much more of a safety issue. um, Right. With, you know, a dog biting someone versus a kid biting someone is, is a bit, you know, (laughs) more dangerous. It's a little different. Mm -hmm. So, but I want to know, I guess, like how, how is that handled typically in like a human daycare environment? Like I, obviously kids don't have behavioral assessments in advance. No, you know, um, where there is one child that's consistently showing signs of being violent or anxious or fearful and the ECEs have to focus all their energy towards that one child. It's a really tough situation because on the one hand, you really want to be, you really want to get that kid through it, right? You really want to kind of have all hands on deck for that and get all the resources you can. Um, And then on the other hand, you may have a lot of other parents who kind of feel like this is not a safe place for my kid. I mean, I'm talking more specifically about a a kid who might be more prone to to violence or aggression, right? So you were just saying that when you do a tour of a daycare, for Mm -hmm. example, looking for engagement from the kids, right? Mm -hmm. Even if one of the children isn't showing signs of violence necessarily, but they're mm-hmm. just requiring a lot of extra attention, then that means that those other kids aren't being engaged in the same way. Yeah, right? it, it, it's true. And that is like, that's a problem 
in daycare, that's a problem in school. That's, that's just kind of how it goes. But in, in terms of like, when, so one of the schools I taught at for a long time was very, you know, focused on developmentally appropriate practice. And, you know, um, the, the, there was a lot of, you know, teaching from an occupational therapy lens, like where it was very, you're looking at where the child is and where and what they're able to do. And, you know, how that kind of goes along with their development. So we we had a very kind of thorough, it, it wasn't a screener, like it wasn't like, we're not going to take you if, if this, if you know, you mark certain things on this, but it was a very extensive developmental history and, and sort of, you know, behavioral stuff and like everything sort of in this, in this document. So we could at least sort of see what we were getting into a bit earlier on, but yeah, at the same time, it dealing with that kind of stuff is um, like, it's very case by case. And I, I definitely ended up in situations where a child would end up leaving a school because it just wasn't a good fit. And that wasn't, you know, the school saying you can't be here anymore, but sort of between it. And a lot of it is also how, and probably with dogs too, is how on board are the parents? How much are they willing to work together to kind of figure this out? Right. No, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, personalization and there's so many different factors that are involved like from a from a dog training perspective like doggy daycare from from my in, like in my view is a luxury mm-hmm. while yes. human care is not a luxury no right? it's totally not a choice for most people exactly so like i only recommend dogs go to daycare if i know that they're like that their behavior is bulletproof that right. like even if they're cornered or threatened that they won't react aggressively yeah that they're like highly social and that they have like zero behavioral issues other than something really minor. Right. And it's also like a, a temperament and energy level match. Like there's so many things to take into consideration because mm-hmm. in a, in a doggy daycare environment, it's not structured. There aren't activities that are laid out throughout the day. They don't have the outside time. They don't have breaks for snake and lunch for like snacks and, mm-hmm. and like, and story times and all those things it's just an open room with dogs that are running around all day right so it's like every dog for himself and and exactly belong in the group yeah and you need to have the type of dog that has a temperament where they can be around like high energy dogs that are running and playing constantly right because that could be overwhelming for a lot of dogs, exactly. right? Exactly. It's like very overstimulated. And the dogs end up getting like overtired and they can become reactive. And it's like it's it there's I would say maybe five percent of dogs are actually suited for that type of environment. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a great solution for everyone. So I, I like you know, it's 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 really tough because I know that like with, with baby or like child's daycares, it's it's not the same luxury. As we said, we don't have the choice to just like take your kid out for a walk in the morning and then leave them home alone mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Right. So, yeah, we so when you're in your, your daycare situation, you kind of need to make it work, right? Right. But I guess, you know, I guess my question is, and I don't know the answer, and I, I know it's different for every family, mm-hmm. but in those cases where a kid would benefit from having more like individualized attention, mm-hmm. would you recommend that they get like in-home childcare, like hire a nanny or oh, something? Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've definitely recommended sort of 
things outside of whatever program that I'm in based on what I feel like it or the is in the best interest of the kid. Right. Like you, um, there are, you know, when I taught toddlers, you would get, you know, sometimes you'd, you'd get a child who, who it j- just wasn't thriving in the program. Just, you know, a lot of crying, a lot of kind of having a hard time with the transitions and adapting to the routines and like nine times out of 10, they were just too young. You know, like I, um, when I taught, preschool like sort of my last job that I was at for 12 years we didn't start until the year before kindergarten um and I would say to anyone who wanted their child in a program before that like yes like if you've got a super social kid who really needs to be busy all the time for sure but um a lot of kids before three as long as they're getting out and they're being social and they are you know with peers at a drop-in at the park, all that stuff, like they really, really don't need to be in a program. So that's that's actually something really interesting because both from like a parenting perspective and a dog ownership perspective, Mm -hmm. we keep getting this messaging from various different places that like socialization is so important. Yeah. And socialization is important, but I think that misunderstand and believe that that means that you need to be like fully integrated with a group of peers constantly totally and, and we like, are this is this is like, like socialization is like you know once a day when you're walking down the street and you see another dog yeah, you go and let them sniff each other yeah <laughs> like that that's being social. It's like if you have a kid they could be home with you all day but if you go into one drop in or you go to the park for half an hour yeah. like that's socializing totally Totally. And if you give them a little bit of space to kind of do their thing and you're not, you know, you're not hovering and like share the toy and give that to so-and-so and, you know, say hi to this kid, like you let them do their thing, even though you're still there, like that's still socializing. Right. So I guess like there has to be a way to, I, I mean, I don't know what the way is, but to like eliminate this like myth or misconception that socialization, like that, that in order to make a child social as they get older, that mm-hmm. the solution is to like, I don't know, throw them in the, like, you know, the tiger's den when they're, when they're <laughs> like they're babies. Yeah. Yeah. It, before they can talk. Exactly. Like, they don't yeah. need to be with the kids eight hours a day in order to be social when they're older. Totally. That's, I, yeah, I feel like that is... You know, the reason why it's it's important the year before kindergarten is because then they're going to have to go to school and they're going to have to be in these routines. And But even the year before kindergarten, it is it is 99% about the social. Like that is why they're in a program, you know, they're, so they can learn to take turns and they can learn to, you know, navigate a group situation and they can follow group directions and they can, you know, find the bathroom and use the bathroom, be independent and pour their own water and all that stuff, like those are all the skills that are that are happening before right. they go to school. Those are all skills that you could learn at home. Totally. Right? And yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I get clients calling me all the time saying, you know, I just got a puppy or like I just adopted a rescue and I want to socialize them. And that's their, that's their primary goal mm-hmm. that they don't, they're not focusing on building a relationship or a bond or doing any sort of training right. or teaching life skills they just want to socialize them yeah and so they call to say so I'm going to sign up for daycare and send them into like a daycare every day and my 
automatic response is always, if you want to socialize your dogs, keep them away from daycare. <laughs> right. Well, you hear so many stories of dogs coming out of, of daycare, like, oh, they, they weren't doing this until they went to daycare and they weren't, like, they didn't used to bark at anybody and now they bark at everybody. I don't know if you find that That's too. But... All of the bad behaviors of the other dogs that are there. Yeah. And then since it is such this, like, such a charged environment, it brings out the worst at a lot of dogs. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that, and again, the human daycare is far more structured Mm -hmm. and like it is guided by professionals. Yeah. So you don't see that same type of behavior. But even like with my own kid, Mm -hmm. after he started preschool full time, he started coming home with all these behaviors that he had never had previously. Oh, yeah, for sure. These other kids doing it, right? Yeah. It happens and it's definitely like a process that you need to just go through with your kid, right? Like you just need to let them do it, let them figure it out, don't react. And and because this is going to happen forever, right? Like there's always going to be peers and peer pressure and, you know, um, seeing what other people are doing that works. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, obviously... I think there's more benefits to daycare than there are like, you know, disadvantages. Like, you know, with both dogs and and babies, you mm-hmm. have the reassurance that you're, you know, that they're being cared for and looked after during the day while you're at work and you can focus on your own work. Mm-hmm. And like there's the huge socialization and learning piece and it allows for mental and physical stimulation and helps to eliminate boredom and repetition and all those things. There's tons of advantages. Yeah. I just think it's important for people to recognize that sending their kid or sending their dog to daycare isn't going to be like the solution the to fix, yeah. their dog problems. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. It is like, like one big thing about daycare, um, if it is a bit more of a choice for you, um, it, it can be so great for your mental health and for your kid's mental health because you know, even if you can do all these things at home and like your kid is going to, you know, th- these are things that you can accomplish when you're, you're not in daycare, you are getting that break and you are, you know, recharged when you see your kid again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, that's okay. a major, that's a major so, bonus. One of the things I love to do with the guests on, on this podcast is I like to read mm-hmm. an email from one of my dog training clients asking for advice on something yeah. to dog and then I'd like to yeah. see how you would answer the question assuming that it was a parent contacting you for advice about their kid instead okay okay, okay. so this is the this is the email hi Ashley I have a beautiful six-month-old German Shepherd puppy she's mm-hmm. really intelligent she loves playing with other dogs and she's very friendly with people I've been working from home until now but have to return to my office next month permanently I was thinking about putting her in a daycare, but have noticed over the past few months that when we go to the dog park, that she gets really overexcited and she can play a little too roughly and doesn't understand her size at all. I also don't have any control over her once she gets into that state and she escalates because all she cares about is playing with the other dog, whether they want to or not. Do you think it's still okay to put her in daycare? Will the people that work there be able to help her with this issue? Thanks. So let's say a parent gets in touch with you about their like 18 month old because that's mm-hmm. the equivalent of like right. a six month yeah yeah so they took like their extended mat leave for the 18 months now yeah. they're returning to work 
And their baby's generally social, loves to play. But if they get overstimulated at, say, drop-ins or the park, then they start to, like, you know, they are dysregulated. They play really roughly. They end up hurting themselves or other children. Uh And it's difficult to get their attention or get to redirect their focus once they've escalated. So do you, would you recommend daycare for that child at that 18 month point, or would you recommend that they find another solution? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause I think my, my gut reaction is, is pretty much to recommend daycare, you know, to kind of practice a lot of that social stuff. And maybe it is sort of lack of experience and, and, um, lack of being able to do this in a safe situation where there's sort of um, there's a bit of guidance and there's a bit of modeling that can happen. Um, so, so I think I would I would say yes, go for the daycare. And would, is there a specific type of daycare that you would recommend for a, a kid that was described that way? Definitely small, definitely um, structured in a way because it seems like a child that would um, likely thrive on routine and knowing what to expect. And that would probably make them successful in the long run. Um, And I mean, I would always say definitely teachers with a a extensive, you know, good knowledge of child development. Right. Yeah. So like if exactly, so from a dog training perspective, as we've been Mm -hmm. talking about almost this entire Mm -hmm. conversation, like I wouldn't be able to make those same recommendations because, no. you know, I always err on the side of caution and would suggest right now wouldn't be a good time for that dog to start daycare mm-hmm. because we don't know what the education or experience of the workers at the daycare are. Right. We don't know how many dogs are going to be there. We don't know what techniques, if any, they're going to implement if mm-hmm. the dog starts displaying those behaviors. And like the the handler's or employees approach could actually end up intensifying the problem as mm-hmm. opposed to helping to eliminate it. So, right. you know, I would recommend that they work with a trainer to address that, that like over arousal and impulse control issue. And then in the meantime, just hire a dog walker to come daily to ensure the dog gets exercise. Right. But, would you, you know, recommend like a, a small class? No. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. the group classes have to happen at a time where the owners are available to go with them, right? Yeah. So what happens often is that owners are looking for solutions for what they should do with their dogs while they're working their regular right. nine to five hours. Yeah. And, you know, having a private dog walker that only takes out, you know, one or two other dogs at a time yeah. would probably be the best approach in this particular situation yeah. in addition to whatever training classes they do. Yeah. Because then the dog is going on these leashed group walks mm-hmm. with other dogs. So they learn how to remain focused and calm in the presence of other dogs. Mm-hmm. And then once they've had that experience, then maybe like six months or a year down the road, they could revisit daycare as an mm-hmm. option. Yeah. Right? I feel like there's still like a little bit of overlap there, you know, like recommending something small, something, you know, very structured in a small group. I feel like there's, you know, yeah, there's definitely there's a little overlap. overlap. I think that, the I think what I'm learning through like doing this podcast and talking to experts in various areas mm-hmm. is that having a dog and having a baby are very similar. <laughs> yeah. The difference is in kind of like societal expectations and yeah. also government and ministry regulations. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah. And I feel I you'll see this more as as 
your kid gets older, it definitely does change as they become less of a, as they become less similar to a puppy, you know, and more similar to a person. Um, when, when your kid really starts to have strong opinions of their own and they're, they're not so easily, um, I don't want to say manipulated, but (laughs) you know, easily swayed. Yeah. Motivated. Good. (laughs) Yeah. And and again, that goes back to like the, you know, intelligence of a dog and what they Mm -hmm. were originally bred for, because obviously there's like almost 200 breeds of dogs and every one of them learns differently and problem solves differently. And Mm -hmm. it has different like independence. So, you know, some people might think that like a five or six or seven year old child is the equivalent of like a border collie. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but definitely once you get to like having a 10 year old or a teenager, then there's nothing to compare to in the dog world mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, no, that's very true. Cause I'm thinking of my seven year old and then my nine year old. And, um, you know, there's also like the boy girl difference as well, but my seven year old boy is, is you know, very much can work on the same schedule as my dog, you know, like needs to get outside, right. needs to roughhouse, needs to like have contact wrestling with another person, needs to be super physical. And if not, will kind of crave attention in undesirable ways. Right. And like needs very specific boundaries and expectations. Yes. Very and... clear. Yeah. Very black and white. Yeah. No, yeah. They, they are quite similar. <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Where where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, yeah, good question. Mostly just on Facebook. I have no website. No, I'm all kind of word of mouth still. Um, probably something I should be working on these days. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm generally so busy that I don't need to advertise. I don't really kind of put myself out there. But I yeah. feel like we're going to be hitting a, you know, a different I think I'm gonna have different marketing um, plans <laughs> moving forward. Maybe yeah, um, they just look up your name on Facebook. Look up my name on Facebook, um, or they can ask you, and you can give them my email. That, that works too. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much. No problem. Very okay, nice talking care. to you. Stay healthy. Stay inside. Thanks for listening. Are you looking to add a dog to your family? For a limited time only, listeners of Baby Puppy will receive 10% off our unique mutt-making package. Let us help you find the right breed, energy level, and temperament for your household based on your experience, expectations, routine, and personality. We always say there's no such thing as the perfect dog, but there is definitely a perfect dog for you. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, child or dog related, email info at meetyourmutt.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at meetyourmutt or visit the website at www.meetyourmutt.com. Remember, this podcast is just a baby or puppy. And as they say, it takes a village. So please rate and review. Happy parenting. Baby Puppy is hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Ashley Balin, production assistance by Koji Nagata, and theme song by Pink Distortion Music. Thank you.